0: Hey babes, it's Coco here. I just wanted to give you a heads up that Joyce was down with the COVID, so we did record remotely and Jim and I did share a microphone, so the audio quality is definitely a bit different this week. But also I wanted to let you know that this episode we have Nobilis Reed who came on to chat with us a little bit about his history and how he got into his work and then we read one of his works. The last thing I want to say is that his work did have some kind of gray consent stuff. So just a heads up, if that's something that would make you uncomfortable, you can skip over the story, but feel free to still listen to the interview. It was great. We had a really good time and we hope you enjoy the show.
1: hello we're doing a virtual where'd you go jim <laughs> sorry i didn't want to
2: cough. i don't want to call we right just got life. you as soon as you hit record no
1: it's yeah no that's fair uh we're doing a virtual one today for two reasons one i got the covid 10 out of 10 would not recommend uh but <laughs> the second much more important reason is we have a special guest with us today Y'all give a big old round of applause for Nobilis Reed. Thank you for joining us.
3: Hello. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, I've not been interviewed in a while. It's uh it's always fun.
1: Yeah. And I yeah, yeah, we were talking while we were waiting for Jim. Um we have a lot of questions for you. We're really interested in your whole story and your spiel. I guess for people listening at home, uh maybe a little bit about who you are, what you do? You have a really great podcast. Uh, it's similar to ours, but much more professional. Uh, maybe you want to talk about that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, okay. So my name is Nobilis Reed. I am the producer, editor, and uh, host of the Nobilis Erotica Podcast, which is the longest-running erotica anthology podcast on the internet on Earth. It's the best science fiction anthology podcast <laughs> in the known universe. I know that because it's the only one. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, that also makes it the worst science fiction erotic <laughs> anthology <laughs> podcast in the known universe.
0: You win all so, the awards.
3: All the awards. I've uh, been doing it since January 2007, which means it'll be 17 years this coming January. Wild. i am um, got approaching 500... Episodes, but since I'm doing them monthly now, that number is still kind of a ways off. I'll hit 500 sometime in 2024, and so in the science fiction and fantasy world, we kind of edge over into monster fuckery once in a while. I mean, a lot of our uh, stories have got human uh, human uh, partners, but a lot of them don't. So, it's it's always been it's always been an aspect of the show.
1: Nice. Yeah. And so the other like main question, I guess, is like, how did you get into monster fucking? And if you want to get in specific, because you have a focus on tentacle, uh, like the tentacle cake, like how did that how did you get into this?
3: Uh, so some years back, uh, a friend of mine was putting it up together, an anthology of tentacle sex stories.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: A friend of mine from Twitter uh, goes by Remittance Girl. She's uh, an erotica author of some repute. Some people have heard heard of her. Um, Mm -hmm. She's um, well known for just really going there and not being afraid of topics that some people would steer clear of. Basically, if you go looking for Ribbons girls work, um, have your... uh, big person undies on because it's it's a ride oh. uh, anyways she was doing she was uh she was doing a tentacle erotica anthology she was editing it and along the way she just decided she didn't want to do it anymore and i had already submitted two stories to to the anthology and i'm like well i really hate to not have it happen mm-hmm. so i said hey you know what i'll I'll take it over if you don't want to do it. She said, okay, you're here, here. And handed me the entire slush pile. And I went through it and picked out enough stories to make an anthology. Let me see. I've got it here. <laughs> we didn't even put a table of contents, so I can't quickly tell you. Uh, <laughs> um, anyways, with a place called Republica Press, which is no longer in operation. The anthology, Tentacle Dreams, is no longer available. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was that was the first time that I was kind of like hey this is a thing now i had been aware of tentacle monster anime before that you know that had been a thing and i i knew kind of like the history of that there was a period of time where you could not show a penis on japanese movies Mm -hmm. at all and the the people who wanted to make erotic work were like how are we gonna do this How do you do this without a penis? I mean, it can't all be lesbian sex because, uh, you know, we we want to have some penises in there somewhere. Ah, tentacles. And that (laughs) was a whole era of Japanese erotic anime that was just like if there was something getting shoved inside someone somewhere, it was a tentacle. Um, I mean, but
2: that has precedent in Japan anyways because of the fisherman's wife. Like
3: Dream of the Fisherman's Wife, yeah, that was that was uh, 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 Hokusai, one, probably Hokusai's most famous. In spite of the fact that he did all kinds of different kinds of artwork, it's probably his most famous, at least in the West. Uh, yeah, and in fact, that's my Twitter background is a, is, a, is a bit <laughs> of that uh, particular piece of art. Um, yeah, so it always had been there, but that that era of Japanese anime kind of made it a thing, right? Yeah. And uh and so ever since then it's always had this niche. And even so and and because even after those restrictions were removed, they still kept making tentacle erotica because it's like, Why? well, you know <laughs> this is what we this is what people have at this point grown up with, so let's keep doing it. And uh it's always become almost a trope now, such that you get there's some there's some pieces out there that are parodying it. Mm-hmm. Uh What do you think,
1: or at least maybe personally speaking, what is the allure of monster fuckery or specifically tentacles? Like what is, what is that? I
3: think uh, similar to the, the, the anime thing. It's when you have a monster, when you're being fucked by a monster, it's a symbol for just untethered lust. Hmm. It wants you. It mm-hmm. wants to fuck you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't care what you look like. It doesn't care who you are. It just wants to fuck. <laughs> and and like
0: absolute like, animalism. It, yeah.
3: Yeah, and it's a, it's a it's an embodiment of just completely unalloyed lust. And if it takes you and it fucks you, there's nothing wrong with you for having been fucked. Um, I remember reading years ago, in fact, one of the first erotic things I ever read was Nancy Friday's Secret Garden. Hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard of no. that book. It was yeah, famous yeah. for a while. Um, this was way back in the 70s. Um, a, a, a researcher basically went around asking women to tell talk about their sexual fantasies. And then she kind of organized them into chapters about different themes. And there was one for women who had sexual fantasies of being dominant. And they didn't call it then back then. It, the, the terminology wasn't there, but mm-hmm. in control. And then there was the ones who were not in control. And she postulated that this was, you know, someone who felt somewhat ashamed of their sex drive, but wanted to express that, wanted to feel it, but didn't want to get blamed or shamed for it.
1: And mm. that was something. So
3: I think that there's a connection there between now also what people fantasize about has probably changed a lot in 50 years
0: yeah so
3: having sexual fantasies is not nearly as shameful as it used to be
0: i was gonna say that that kind of leads into one of the things i wanted to bring up because i know a lot of times when you talk to people about kink and monster fuckery and things like that um one of the first like excuses you hear from psychology is like that it it's a extension of shame. But I feel like as time has gone on, we've become far less shameful um, or guilty about our feelings around sex. And yet we've become more kinky and more <laughs> interested in like bizarre things. And I think that those fantasies have always been a part of our minds, no matter what time period we we're in. We just didn't have a way to find a community in which we could talk about them and feel safe talking about them. Mm-hmm. Um
3: I, I think yeah. I think there's there's a lot to be said for that too.
0: There's yeah. there's certainly plenty of people who have turned shame into a kink. Like that absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think it is uh the sole creation, you know, like I think that there's something else going on there. And Yeah. it, it kinda leads to last time we talked about um whether or not people were more horny now because of the internet or... And, and my I said that people were always that horny. Now they just um, have an outlet for it and they can actually yeah. like, see
1: it more easily. Yeah. But they were always horny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is...
4: Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. I, I think, too, yeah, I, some of those fantasies specifically were just a response to the social mores of the time, you know? Because like, like Nobelis mm-hmm. had said... It was shameful to have a sex drive specifically as like, um, you know, like a cis woman or, Mm -hmm. you know, someone assigned female at birth. That's, I think, why some of those fantasies may have manifested in the way that they did. Um, Yeah. You know, I think it's just because of social pressure and things like that. Um, And there's
3: also the there's also the question of who gets to have their sexuality written down.
1: Yes. Yeah because um, i was
3: i was uh, listening to a podcast the other day um betwixt the sheets Mm -hmm. which is kind of about the the history of sexuality and they focus on different topics but one of the things that keeps coming up is that medieval sex was almost entirely written about by priests
4: Mm. so
3: we have this image of what medieval sex was like filtered through the lens of the catholic Church. So. We see them as being these tremendously repressed, controlled people when the actuality of it, now that we can kind of dig down and get to some of the really, no, no, no. They were fucking up a storm out there. Yeah. uh, 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 And and they would, you know, spend six days a week uh, horning it up and then go to confession on Sunday in order to take communion. Right. So. Part of it has to do with who gets to write it down. And nowadays, yeah. everybody gets to write it down.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like so who I think controls that's part the, of the
3: narrative. Reason that, yeah. So so that's why I think part of the reason why things feel so much different in the inter- internet age mm-hmm. is just like who gets to write it down.
1: Yeah. I think that's really pertinent as like queer folk, you know, because the narrative is so controlled by like cisgendered heterosexual folks. I mean, even then cishet sex ed was non-existent, at least for me in public school setting. I think more you're seeing that like our parts of our history are being either erased or not Mm -hmm. talked about because like we're not in control of the narrative like we should be. And I think too, that's something interesting I see in the overlap of like the monster fucker community. There is this overlap of the queer community and the monster fuckers. I think specifically, Mm -hmm. my theory is because both feel like a sexual other. Um you know what i mean like it's very Mm -hmm, taboo to want to fuck a monster now let me put the disclaimer that queer people are just human beings we're not magical we're not monstrous or whatever but like we are usually labeled an other and i think that's why there is so much overlap this is the thing that's been bouncing around my head since we started this podcast i've been really interested in that
3: my experience in the in the monster community has definitely paralleled that that that, that, The people that i see are are very often queer in one way or another
0: yeah that makes sense to me as well just that um within the queer community there is more acceptance of uh, of exploring sexuality and and like learning more things and like figuring out yourself Mm -hmm. there's a there's a lot of like focus on self-learning and like self-growth and that isn't really expressed as much in the het community because it's, you know, within heterosexuality, it's kind of considered default. So there's not a lot of exploring necessary. But I think that even within that, people are wanting to explore and that's why they find kink. And then they feel shame for the kink. And then that kink becomes a stronger, more hidden thing. And that leads (laughs) to more and more problems. But within the queer community, you discover a kink and usually you go back to your partner and you're like, i just found out <laughs> <laughs> this new thing about myself and uh-oh like i gotta talk about it
1: yeah it's like that it's like the the internet reels and things where it's a joke and it's like kink unlocked it's like bing. it's just like yeah. i mean it, yeah <laughs> um now, i was like part, that oh yeah for
3: my own part in that particular regard I don't know if anybody else ever feels this way, but I write erotica and I write a lot of it and I don't want to write the same thing over and over again. So, so a lot of the time I find myself kind of leaning back. So what is it about sitting on a cake that turns people?
4: Yeah. Why is this a
3: thing? What's sexy about it? And then it's like, okay, is the, is the cake? warm, fresh from the oven and the icing is really like melty and slippery. And then the sensation of feeling it kind of squidge between your cheeks. And I can, I can almost, I mean, I can't say that I would become a part of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I,
3: but I feel like I can, I can, it's like, yeah, I can, I can kind of get that. I can, I can see where that's coming from. And then, you know, uh, and then it's like, okay, yeah, let me see if I can write something like that because there's a certain kind of empathy. I mean, writing anything with humans in it is Mm -hmm. going to require a certain level of empathy, a certain level of getting into other people's heads. Yeah. And writing erotica has also been a lot of that for the same way for me, but instead of like romantic feelings, if I'm running romance or fear, if I'm writing horror or whatever other kind of emotions that I'm working towards, it's like, what kind of... Erotic feelings, mm-hmm. can I get out of this and kind of get into people's heads as to how that works?
0: I had a conversation with my dad that is a perfect example of this. Um, he so he was doing some rehab for uh, nerve damage in his shoulder, and during the rehab, he was talking about how you know it would hurt like hell, like it would just absolutely hurt. But um, it, he kind of enjoyed it because it was like meditation, where like all he could think about was the pain and everything else kind of melted away and he couldn't really think about anything else. So it kind of worked like it was anti-anxiety. And I was like, oh yeah, that's BDSM.
3: (laughs) Oh, you said that. You just said, boop.
0: (laughs) And he he was just like, oh, like I could see that gear click where he was like, all these years, he's probably just in the background been like, I don't understand why people would do that. Like, that's just weird. But that one (laughs) moment of saying like, oh, that's what that is just instantly release. Well, you're in
1: that subspace right because like yeah it's very similar to like getting deep in meditation i'm not very successful at meditation but like i'd imagine it's a really similar thing uh yeah you're very hyper focused on the pain uh Mm -hmm. it's just like some people equate that to pleasure and some people yeah you know equate it to other things to big. yeah i think <laughs> i think the cake thing by the way i think the thing that at least that clicked in my mind when you we were talking about it i think it's like because cake is decadent it's a dessert oh yeah that's it, that's ooh. it's a it's a symbol for, it's luxury you know
3: yeah uh-huh yeah the, the, I, mean, I was talking just about the pure yeah. sensuality of it mm-hmm. but yeah. there's definitely all kinds of uh like uh, like psychological yeah. uh, like connections yeah. there yeah, you yeah. Know. And it's like, why is a cake different from a pie? <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't tend to go and like ask people. Sometimes I can, I can, you know, form a relationship, and it's like, hey, you know, would you look at the story I've written and see if it kind of fits in with how you look at these things? You know, like, maybe be an alpha reader for it, and I, you, you know, sometimes get a a good uh, good reaction out of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, recently yeah. finished in my podcast a um, a story where the main character used a wheelchair, and that's got its own whole set of baggage. It's a it's a kind of a third rail kind of thing. You can really get yourself in hot water yeah. writing about disability and sexuality, and if you're not a member of the community, um, I don't use a wheelchair myself, and so yeah. I was kind of you know taking a risk. Um, but yeah, I had yeah. a couple of alpha readers who themselves used them. I feel like I got a good uh, got a good result of that. That's uh, there's a really great like the...
1: podcast called um, Disability After Dark uh, that actually talks huh. a lot about this. It's really interesting because huh. I I used to do a lot of work with folks with disabilities um, back before the before times uh, when those things <laughs> are open. Um, but yeah, I've been following them for a while. They uh just have a lot of really great info and stuff i wouldn't think about like i think recently they created a kind of accessibility aid to help folks use sex toys it's called bump it i believe or something like that yeah Mm. i remember seeing. i think you sent me the bump it because i was like oh my god that's amazing (laughs) yeah it it's a really cool thing uh but that podcast is really just full of great info so Y'all uh, still want to yes, talk? Yes,
2: I have questions. I, I oh, okay. also have questions. Get
1: them, get them. Uh, okay, good. I'm, I'm
3: here. Look, hit me.
2: So, yeah, so you're an author. How did you mm-hmm. start? Did you start into erotica? Did you start with science fiction? How, like, where did you get your start with writing? And how how did that progress into writing science fiction erotica?
3: The first thing I ever wrote was Watership Down fanfic. Nice,
1: grade. damn, love it. Eighth grade. All right. <laughs>
3: Yeah, because Deep I cuts. loved Kahar and I wanted to have another I wanted to have more of Kahar so I wrote a piece where Kahar comes back to watership down after the story is over. And it was like three pages long banged out on my grandmother's typewriter. <laughs> so, I've been writing for a long time. And uh when I was an adolescent, I started writing things with sex in them because I was absolutely obsessed the way so many adolescents are. Yeah. Um As you do. I that was all that was all like scribbled in notebooks that I kept under my mattress because I didn't want anybody else to know <laughs> that this adolescent kid was interested in sex. That was simply, I could not, could not let anybody know that that was happening. <laughs> and uh, then the internet came along and I started writing things on, you know, some of the boards and sites like Literatica and places like that. And then podcasting came along. Early on, there weren't that many podcasts. So if you're interested in science fiction, way back in the early days, you listened to Slice of Sci-Fi because it was pretty much the only science fiction podcast. And they had a thing that they kept talking about doing where they were going to do an erotica podcast. And I emailed them and said, hey, that sounds like fun. I want to be involved. And they're like, yeah, 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 sure. We'll tell you when, it, when we launch. But I didn't realize that it was, in fact, a running joke. <laughs> and that they had no intention of ever starting this podcast. Oh. It was they had put together a website because that's what you do. You mention a, a URL, you got to go save it because otherwise somebody else is going to grab mm-hmm. it. This was true even back in the day. But they just put an image up and just never did anything with it. And I started getting frustrated again. This was early days of podcasting, two thousand six, two thousand seven. Um, uh, 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 there was another podcast that I was kind of in a member of a community with, and it was this was back before. Twitter or Facebook or any of that stuff. This was back on Yahoo group. This was, this was, this is where that community was located. So yeah, I'm an old guy. And I said, Hey, you know, there was a podcast that I was part of, you know, listened to and was part of this community. And I said, Hey, if I record some audio and send it to you, can you just make it like a segment of your podcast? And after I'd done like, I don't know, 10 of them person who was, you know, I was sending them to said, you know, Nobilis, (laughs) you're a good writer. You record pretty well. Why don't you just start your own podcast? And by the time I was commuting by train and it took like an hour and a half to get in and an hour and a half to get out. And um, I was spending that time writing. And when you're writing 15 hours a week, you can get a lot of writing done. So I had enough material to do a weekly podcast of my own stuff. Then I stopped and and I I got a, a job much, much closer to where I lived and I wasn't on the train all the time. Suddenly it was not as easy to write as productively as I had been. I said, "Well, you know what? I got a lot of listeners. I'm going to transform it. I'm going to start being the editor instead of the writer, and I'm going to get people to send me stories, and find people to record them, and I'm going to make a an anthology podcast." And here Now here I am, and Very this cool. has probably got to be the culmination of my career.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this right here.
0: This is it. <laughs> yeah, the
3: this, uh... everything's been everything's been leading me to this point. <laughs>
0: This little little baby boat over here. You knew, you knew you'd find us out in the sea. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> All right. Does anyone have any questions for Nobilis before we do the usual thing? That was my jam. That was it.
4: Yeah, that was really okay. good. That
1: was really fun. I like yeah. that. I could have went on. Might forever. have more
2: questions after the story. I feel That's totally like. okay, fine.
1: Great. Maybe. All right. Let's 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 do our normal thing for a sec. Hey, you've been with us for a little bit now, but we're love at first sighting. Sex positive, kink friendly, and thirsty conversations about the cryptids and monsters. I did that in the wrong order. That traverse our backyards and our imaginations. Uh, my name is Joyce. Sorry, I threw you off. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Joyce. Uh, my pronouns are she, they. I'm your resident cryptid researcher, bringing you the Monster Book Report. Joining me is Jim.
2: Heyo, I'm Jim, I'm they, them, and today I'm going to read some monster porn that was written by our dear, dear friend, Nobilis Reed. Woo-woo,
1: I love it. Mm. Also joining me is Coco. Hello,
0: I'm a dummy when it comes to
1: cryptids, but I'm horny and I love to learn. And obviously, we also have Nobilis Reed joining us today. Hi there! So, I picked a tentacle monster, I thought it just seemed appropriate. Today we're going to talk about the Hyo-Octoman. Uh, has anyone heard of this one? Oh no, no! Did you say Ohio? I sure did. <laughs>
2: it's always Ohio, or West it's Virginia.
1: Always
0: Ohio. I think people in Ohio are just like real fucking horny for
1: weird stuff out there. Yeah, there, there's something. There's something. Maybe something in the water. But yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's get rolling. Let's talk about this bad boy. So, in the winter of 1959, reports of a hulking, gray-skinned creature wandering around the Ohio River flooded. Like what I did there. <laughs> Police stations and <laughs> press rooms. Uh, on January 29th of that year, an article published in the Cincinnati Post and Time Star read, What is it? Monster churns up the Ohio. Beneath it was a subheading, anyone missing a indescribable monster that swims? This started the Octoman's 15 minutes of fame. This particular cryptid has a good number of reported sightings, the majority of most happening within the span of a few days. But let's get into it. In Dennis uh, Pilchin's booklet titled "Bigfoot: Tales of Unexplained Creatures," the creature is described as such by a woman from Covington, Kentucky. It was a strange, grayish creature with a lopsided chest, ugly tentacles, and rolls of fat running horizontally over a bald head. Real judgy, yeah, <laughs> very judgy. Like, my goodness. Yeah, I know. Don't don't body shame the monster. Uh, <laughs> the first reported. <laughs> The first reported sighting was made to Ohio's Claremont County and New Richmond police by an unnamed man who claimed that something came out of the river approximately four miles from New Richmond. According to the witness, what he saw was utterly indescribable, yet someone did describe it.
4: <laughs> yeah, i like, wait, okay.
1: <laughs> How could someone... It's some indescribable. Now I'm going to go thing. through and Yeah.
3: <laughs> well you know i mean he's just going that that whole hp lovecraft route of it, it was indescribable and yeah. then have a paragraph long of a description you know. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um the second report was said to come from a truck driver en route to indianapolis who phoned from a gas station located on kellogg avenue near a bridge on the little miami river if you have been listening for a yeah. long time you know the little miami is home of the loveland frogman uh the trucker claimed that As he drove from Mount Washington towards Cincinnati, he spotted an entity unlike anything he had ever seen. Strangely enough, right after the creature reports started coming in, all of the streetlights along Kellogg Avenue went out simultaneously. This led some police to worry that it wasn't a monster everyone was seeing, but instead a victim of an an automobile accident. It was later reported that the power outage was due to high winds, despite the police saying the lights were on two different circuits. Suspicious. Uh, mm, the mm-hmm, following day on mm-hmm. January 30th, 1959, the Cincinnati Post and Time Star once again put out an article on our wet friend. The article was titled, Driver Swears It Happened. River Monster Takes a Stroll on a Bridge. <laughs> oh, he's just having a oh little stroll. He's hanging out. Just out for a little little do. You know, just a little midnight walk. Uh, the I article need, like a, I test-
2: need a, a drawing of this guy.
1: <laughs> you need a description? He's indescribable. Well, he's yeah. indescribable. <laughs> How can I, can I draw it? it <laughs> there's no way. Unless you want to be that one lady who's like, he's ugly. Like, that's rude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be honest, the first thing that popped into my head was a gray
1: Zoidberg with tentacles. Yeah. Like that's that's yeah. pretty much exactly what I thought. <laughs> there's actually, this was later on my list, but there's actually a, a B-horror film called octoman Man, uh, so maybe that's the closest thing you're going to get to a uh, description or drawing of this this bad boy yeah, we're,
0: we're going to look that up real quick yeah yeah but keep yeah, going you, you yeah
1: you look up. <laughs> the the article included testimony from a man who was identified simply as a scientist the scientist that's claimed fun. that on the morning following the initial reports he was driving across the licking river that's an interesting oh. name mm. a tributary <laughs> of the higher river that flows into kentucky when something leapt onto the bridge. The report the scientist gave the paper is as follows It was large, not a dog or a cat. It leapt in front of, that's okay. Uh, it leapt in front of the car on two legs and was taller than the automobile. When I looked back in the mirror, it was moving along the bridge rail. It was three or four times the size of a man and much bulkier. I have an eye and mind for dimension and I know it was huge. Which I thought was a funny little. Word. Everyone's I love always
2: like an interior designer, like I know. <laughs>
1: I know <how laughs> an expert on size. To a
2: couch.
0: You don't need an eye for magnitude to be able to go like, uh, yeah, that's big. <laughs> like <laughs> that's, that's not I that's mean, not like a special talent.
3: It's like that's four times the height of the the highway railing, you know. Though okay, so that's going to be something like eight feet tall.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, I think like. What we we're saying is like, most of us have a pretty decent idea. Like we could at least be like, it was bigger than a person. Uh, another witness claimed to have seen the thing in a creek close to the Fort Thomas uh, pumping station near the Ohio River in Kentucky. They were the first witness to compare the creature to an octopus. So until now, people were, except for that one lady who was just talking about the tentacles. But this is the first time that someone kind of called it an octopus. Uh, the chaos m- the monster caused was short lived, considering by Saturday of that week, the police said the phone calls had ceased and the monster had left town. I did read one. <laughs> I did read of one last report by a motorist named George Wagner, who claimed to have seen a huge two legged creature walking on a bridge over the Ohio sometime in February of 1959 near Covington, Kentucky. Though most okay. local authorities were rather amused by the monster reports and didn't take them too seriously the majority of the dispatchers responding to the eyewitness calls agreed that those making the report sounded legitly shook and sober.
0: Police were sent out. out Legitly shook and sober is a great
1: descriptor for just about anything. (laughs) Yeah, legit. It's interesting that all these sightings were on on,
3: on the highway.
1: Yeah. Clearly
3: nobody had told this guy that if you want to hitchhike, you need a thumb. Ah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like a tentacle man on the side of the road, he he doesn't get picked up very often.
1: No, (laughs) no, I don't think so. Thumbs or not. Um,
2: A real lonely truck driver.
1: (laughs) A real, real lonely truck driver with lots of holes. Who's been reading the right (laughs) fiction. (laughs) Oh, man. Police were sent out to check out what was going on with these sightings, but they didn't turn up anything in any of their searches. Um but yes, yeah, so everyone's favorite thing the theory time uh many skeptics say people were probably just seeing driftwood or some other form of de- dr- other, some other form of debris bobbing up and down in the river uh potentially you just know, a the highway <laughs> that's true <laughs> you know debris doesn't usually just pop up and take a stroll on a bridge no. so this this is a this is fair um <laughs> Other skeptics say potentially just a misidentified person, you know, visual illusions and whatnot, the dark and all that. Um, Some say hoax or mass hysteria, but believer camp. So as I mentioned, many of you, we talked about the Loveland Frogmen. Many think that both these creatures are connected. They are from the same kind of area. And the Loveland Frogmen started in 1955, so about four-ish years when they first started seeing them. So it's like, you know, it's a pretty good, it's not that bad of a span. Uh, considering reports of deep wrinkles on the forehead of the Loveland Frogmen as well as their pale greenish gray skin, I can see why people make this connection between these two creatures. Same area, very similar kind of time period, similar kind of descriptions to a degree. You know, I would say it is also worth mentioning that all frogman reports state that the animals were no more than four feet tall though uh this is quite a contrast to the licking river witness who claimed that the thing was three or four times the size of a man and much bulkier so hmm. yeah i don't know
3: i I mean the Ohio river is not a small river it's 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 not
1: it's also a dirty river (laughs) <laughs> there's there's also uh, another ohio cryptid that many sources mention which uh is usually referred to as the glean the glean the green clawed beast uh in august of 1955 naomi johnson was swimming with friends when she had an encounter with some kind of creature in the ohio near evansville uh indiana johnson and the other witnesses swore that she was suddenly clutched around her knee and dragged into the water by a large claw-like hand which left an imprint that lasted for days. Uh, Johnson did not really get a good glimpse of whatever grabbed her, so maybe it was Octoman, maybe not. There are others that wonder if Octoman and the Octosquatch, um, previous episode, are the same or at least a very similar creature. Of course, the Octosquatch is a creature from Spain, as we mentioned in previous episode. But mm-hmm. I would say there's a big difference because the the creature in Spain was covered in hair, and you know, also in Spain, that's a That's pretty far away from like Ohio, you know. It's it's quite a jaunt. Um,
3: Or you know, maybe maybe there's a certain amount of um, uh, sexual dimorphism, and one's a dude octosquatch, and one is a a female. You know, it's like it's like, uh, or you know, one just likes the shaved
1: look. Yeah, I mean, gotta do what feels good.
3: And and you know, for creatures from extra dimensions, you know, a, 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 an ocean is not a real barrier.
1: This is true. I don't think anyone chooses <laughs> to be in Ohio. <laughs> Sorry, Ohio. I mean, well, listeners. you know,
3: if if you're, if you're if you're if you're if you transcend physical law, then then transcending, you know, state law is not a big
1: deal. <laughs> Another possible theory is extraterrestrial. Uh, Of course, uh, from what I could find, there were no reports of UFO sightings and or any airplane crashes or anything in the winter of 1959. Do with that what you will.
3: Obviously, clearly, my interdimensional theory is the one that has to be.
1: This is true. That is a new one to add to the list. Jim and Coco are much more on the train of interdimensional stuff than I am, so I kind of always forget that as a possibility. And the last thing I'll say, we already kind of talked about it, but there is a B-horror film from the 1970s um, called Octoman. So check it out. It's very good. It's very, very good. Um, But yeah, that, in essence, is the Octoman. Y'all ready to do this story thingy?
3: Do you want me to introduce the the thing we're going to read?
1: Yeah, that would be great. That would be fantastic.
3: Okay, so what this is is the first scene of... Monster Whisperer Second Class, the second book in the Monster Whisperer series. And I'm not going to spoil the first book, Monster Whisperer, but the thing that's going on in this scene is that the Star Patrol has decided to ally with tentacle monsters, and they need to train Mm -hmm. people to liaison with the tentacle monsters effectively. And this is, and this is the, this first scene is in that, in that training class. Perfect. And in fact, the first Perfect. day of that training class.
0: Awesome. So give us your best no nonsense choice. Yeah. Um,
1: I mean, that's pretty much how I act. Yeah. In this yeah I I'm <laughs> easy. Over here. Pretty easy. I'm like, did you remember the headphone splitter? <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. All righty.
2: Monster Whisper, second class by Nobilis Reed, chapter one. What now? Blurting it out that way was unprofessional for an ensign in the Star Patrol but Ensign Sandra Teppins couldn't help herself.
1: It's our first day. No better time.
2: Said instructor Clearwater with a nonchalant tone that did not align with the suggestion that her class would throw themselves to tentacle monsters so soon in their training.
1: But she shook her head. Consider it an order, Ensign. I may not be in the Star Patrol uniform, but as far as the service is concerned, you're under my command. Now get in there and show me that you've got what it takes.
2: She pointed to the hatch and the transparent aluminum bulkhead that separated a small viewing gallery from the chamber where the monster waited. Its name, she had been told, was Osiris. It looked like a roughly spherical crater-pocked asteroid, about three meters in diameter, with small ribbons of light moving along zigzag cracks in its surface. Thin black smoke seeped from the fissures, It sat in the middle of a stark, high-ceiling chamber with padded walls and floor. Even though it was resting, Ensign Tevins had never seen anything so monstrously terrifying in her life. She looked away. The other five members of the class glanced from her to the monster and at Instructor Clearwater.
1: In front of... everyone?
2: She squeaked. Instructor Clearwater's gaze was fixed on the young Star Patrol officer.
1: Yes, Ensign. In front of everyone. Now move. You will face your fear, accept it, and do what needs to be done. Do you understand me?
2: She swallowed.
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: She
2: walked up to the hatch and touched the control. The circular door rotated, retracted slightly, and slid into the floor with a booming
1: reverberation. Remember what I taught you today, Ensign. Agitation, fear, submission. Now go make me proud.
2: Tevins walked forward, slowly, until she crossed the threshold, and the door slammed closed behind her so suddenly she jumped. One of the cracks in the monster's carapace opened with a stony grinding noise, and an eyeball emerged on the end of a long green tentacle. The eye was all black, except for a red star-shaped pupil. Smoke rose along its length. Bands of colored light circled the shaft, like tight-fitting bracelets, and pulsed as a deep, growly voice filled the chamber.
0: Mm. what have we here? I love this. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some Instant like Sorry. We'll <laughs> <laughs> get it. Um Ensign Oh damn it <laughs> 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 Ensign Tevens. uh
2: sar More cracks opened. Three huge paddle shaped feet emerged and pushed the monster's body up off the deck.
3: I have not fucked anyone. For nearly sixty hours, human, your name matters not.
2: It stumped forward. More tentacles emerged, several with eyes at the end and many more with clusters of hand-like tendrils. She tried to stare it down, but failed. She closed her eyes, hunched her shoulders, and waited. Terror froze her limbs, gripped her innards, and sent a shiver down her spine. And she loved it. Anticipation swirled with fear tempering it into the biggest turn-on she had ever felt. Alien hands wrapped around her arms and thighs, and she whooped in surprise as they lifted her body into the air. She opened her eyes again to find the creature looking back at her from just inches away.
3: Answer me, human. Are you a virgin? I have a boyfriend.
2: She stammered.
3: I care not for such things. Have you been taken... By one of my kind. No, sir.
2: A sound like a single, long, growly... <sighs> okay, I was going to say... Filled the air.
3: Then you are a virgin.
2: Good. She felt like a virgin. She felt like the first time Barnard, her current lover, introduced her to bondage, to pain, to the marvels of transcendent surrender. The feeling was like that, and so much more. Everything about it was alien. The boneless limbs possessed a strength like nothing she had felt before, and its unblinking gaze seemed to be able to see into her very soul. Some said the monsters were telepathic, and now she knew why. The arms shifted, looping around her limbs and reaching for the sensitive spots on her anatomy. Osiris groped her with increasing force, the long tendrils of its tentacle tips squeezing breasts and buttocks through her uniform. Kneading against her crotch, a hand stroked her face, over her cheeks and onto her lips. Its flesh smelled strangely like cilantro.
0: Mm, mm, yum! Yum! Also, I know we've already <laughs> hit Joyce's faves—the squeeze in the butts and all that good stuff. <laughs> oh, you know,
1: I, I like a good squeeze.
4: Mm.
0: <laughs>
1: Juice it.
2: Her squeal of alarm turned into a long moan, and the monster chuckled low.
3: <laughs> oh yes. Sweet, indeed. I can smell you, human. I can smell your sweat. Taste your tears.
2: With alarm, she realized that, yes, tears flowed. But she wasn't crying. She was so awash in conflicting emotions that she hadn't noticed. Please, she squeaked.
3: Do not beg me, human,
2: said Osiris. I,
3: I do not grant favors.
2: The hand shifted position, And with a tremendous wrench, the creature ripped the front of her tunic open, pulling the entire front panel free from the rest of it and throwing it aside. This was why they had been told to wear the special uniforms, she realized. These would tear away without hurting them. Instinctively, she tried to move her arms to cover her exposed breasts, but his grip was too strong.
3: Modest, eh? (laughs) Excellent. Let's give your friends a good look, then.
2: Osiris moved toward the wall turning her face to her classmates. Some of them looked away, but at a sharp command from instructor Clearwater, they returned their gaze to her body. A flush came to her face, heat and pressure just under her skin, from combined embarrassment and arousal. Beneath the anxiety in their faces, she could see desire. They wanted her, or they wanted to be her. Thick tentacles tore away her trousers, and the flimsies underneath. (laughs) I I like The flimsies—I've never called them
3: that before. (laughs) That's that—that's what—that's what what I've called underwear through the whole, the whole series. I kind of like
1: that, honestly.
3: Just flimsies. My flimsies. it's not science fiction unless you give a a new word to something, right? Yeah,
0: that's true. Yeah, there's your—that's your your uh, space gibberish. You got to throw it in there. Yeah, you
3: got to have some of that. (laughs) And I mean, if you're writing erotica, then it has to be something having to do with sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah.
2: Thick tentacles tore away her trousers and the flimsies underneath, leaving her entirely naked.
3: Open for me, human,
2: said Osiris. Something pressed against her crotch, and she looked to see the purplish tip of the egg-shaped end of yet another tentacle pressed against her labia. She tried to relax, let the thing inside, but she needn't have bothered. It thrust into her with irresistible strength, stretching her walls to a point that would have been painful. If she hadn't been so turned on, it took her hard and fast, pounding her mercilessly. Another shudder racked her body. Sweat slicked the places where it held her, and it shifted its grip to hold her more securely. The sound of stone grinding against stone echoed in the chamber. Was that a good sign? She couldn't remember. Everything she had learned in class seemed so far away now. There were only the tentacles wrapped around and inside her body, the gaze of her classmates and the red-starred eyes orbiting around her like satellites.
3: You please me, human,
2: said Osiris, his words starting to become choppy.
3: For your reward, I give you—
2: Another tentacle snaked over her shoulder and pressed against her lips. She opened her mouth to emit another egg-shaped tentacle tip, and the taste and smell of its flesh filled her. It thrust its two tentacles in opposing rhythm— making sure she was always filled in one end or the other. Implacable, unrelenting, leaving helpless submission as her only course. Its tendrils plucked at her nipples, caressed her earlobes, and stroked her clit. Her eyes fluttered closed, and for a moment she thought that this was like having a half-dozen human lovers taking her at once. But no, even that couldn't encompass her helplessness before Osiris's power. She was helpless as a leaf caught in the wind. Through it all, the monster's voice grew. It no longer spoke words, but emitted a long, continuous, slow crescendo of a growl, too long to come from lungs, filling her ears the way he filled every other sense. The sound, along with the relentless stimulation of the rest of her body, drove all thoughts from her mind. The universe contracted to her body and the things that were being done to it. Her forced...
1: her her forced? Her forced orgasm. Well, Uh, I mean, you know, you're not wrong. No, no. 4 sorrow
0: orgasms.
1: Her first (laughs) four out of four,
0: I I guess.
1: (laughs) Her
2: first orgasm came almost without noticing, just another shudder, another clinch that could have been a feeble attempt at escape. If Osiris noticed, he didn't show any reaction, not in the rhythm of his fucking or the tone of his growl. Neither did he react to the second or the third in spite of their increasing intensity. Then the tentacle in her mouth pulled out, and the effect was like popping a cork. She screamed as the fourth orgasm racked her body, even as the retreating arm squirted a face full of warm goo all over her. Between her legs, she felt the other one unload at the same time, causing torrents of thick fluid to run down her legs. It dropped her face first into the puddle it had made. It was all she could do to hold her spasming body high enough to keep breathing. Miss Clearwater was there, with a robe and a towel, clearing the slime from her face and helping her to her feet. Tevins tried to speak, but the words wouldn't come.
1: Did I... You did very well,
2: said the instructor.
1: Welcome to Monster School. Yeah. Welcome to Monster School, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, this is Monster School. Welcome. <laughs> Yeah. So this is
3: where I'd like to, to like mention where Monster Whisper came from in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there yeah. was a reference to that in there. You may you may be missed. It's kind of obscure, but the 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 advice that she gives her when she's go, when Clearwater gives to Tevins and she's going in with the monster is um, to remember agitation, fear, submission. This is how <laughs> you handle a tentacle monster, and that's because the very first piece that I wrote. Was mm-hmm. actually a parody of an old TV show called Dog Whisperer. Oh, and do- when 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 the when the guy who was the host of Dog Whisperer would tell people what how to handle their dogs, it was calm, clear
4: mm-hmm.
3: dominance. You you maintain calm, and the dog will be calm. And and like we watched the show a lot back when. Yeah. Um. When it came time to write a tentacle story, it's like, what if I flip that around?
4: Yeah, I love
1: that. <laughs> and
3: that was that was the beginning of Ten- Monster Whisperer way back, way back in the beginning.
1: Yeah, no, I love That's it. Beautiful. I, I think I vaguely remember this show. I don't know if I ever watched it, but I do remember it. And then an- yeah. there was one like Horse Whisperer and. <laughs> There's a there's a cat show but I don't think it's called cat whisper. I can't remember what that was. No, but
3: called. yeah, there, there was a whole there was a whole like, you know, Animal Planet had a whole like constellation of these shows. But, but Dog Whisperer was the first one. And I watched a bunch of that even though we've never had a dog in my house. Uh, <laughs> that's that's
2: well, wild. Like I thought, "Oh, he must be a dog lover. Must be a big dog
3: person." No. <laughs> no. My wife is my wife is allergic, so she can't be mm. around dogs, but that means she wants to be around dogs Yeah, all the time. yeah, yeah, so that, we makes watch, that makes sense. That makes sense. Dog Dog shows. yeah anyways uh yeah that was that was uh where that particular little thing came from Um, now this might be a
2: this might be a a too personal question but like okay when you're writing these stories do you like what of yourself is in there is there any like is this like personal fantasies or are these things
3: that like you can't write good fiction and not have something personal in it I i Mm -hmm. i anybody who denies it Is is well? They're in denial. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) You can't. You know, I mean, someone who is just dashing off formulaic, samey samey stuff, you know, uh, like some of the pulp authors of the '40s and '50s and '60s could write a a a novel, a fifty thousand world novel, in in a in a in a weekend, and that's because they had a particular formula that they went to, Mm -hmm. and. They would just, you know, the, you know, this happens on page page one, and this happens on page fifteen, and this happens on page thirty, and you know, like that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, if you're writing on a treadmill, if you're writing on in a an assembly line faction, okay, maybe maybe not. But if you're doing anything that really wants to touch people, then there has to be something from you to to touch with.
0: Yeah, that's my like a tentacle. My opinion. Like a tentacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> a
3: yeah. And and uh, yeah. And sometimes I, um, sometimes I am writing, like, with my inner tentacle monster looking over my shoulder, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, what what is this going to be like from the monster's point of view? And sometimes I've got the tentacle monster's quote unquote victim. Mm -hmm. on my shoulder and sometimes it's both and sometimes there's a whole greek chorus on my back you know (laughs) all these different things
0: uh
3: but yeah that one i'm not writing (laughs) (laughs) yeah i it's it's um you gotta you gotta if you're gonna write something good you gotta be be, so yeah of course of course this is all personal but you know i'm a human being i'm really complicated in there and so there's often there's all kinds of little pieces and things to pull on and and draw from well yeah.
1: this is a question we ask ourselves each time so i guess we're going to start with you <laughs> nobilis uh would you let osiris <laughs> fuck you
3: oh wow um
1: <laughs> sorry this is, not, the, this is the this is the way we play i'm
3: not sure i mean good enough shape osiris is a real like he's a real workout yeah he's it he's like not it. he's not gentle he's not into aftercare no, no it doesn't I sound used, like he it. just dropped her. No, it see, you the, right he you right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Done. Boom. Pff, right. <laughs> There's another monster in my stories in the first novel called a storizoid, mm-hmm. which is a mushroom-shaped creature. It's very slow-moving, and it's more and its style of getting people is enticement rather than mm. than than capture. Yeah, and it. Um, its surface is is soft and pliable on the top of the mushroom, but it 's also sticky and so once you once you decide to touch it, then you 're stuck, and the tentacles kind of grow from its surface and slowly pull you up onto it and and over the course of like two hours, just slowly gives you a slow motion monster fuck. Um, <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. I, 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 like an aphrodisiac. So the Storozoid is, uh, uh, there's, I think, nine different kinds of tentacle monsters in my stories so far. Mm-hmm. There may be more. Someone counted them at some point. I've lost track. Um, but the Storozoid is much more my uh, style than.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I feel than- I'd that too. I have to agree with that. Yeah.
3: The Osiris is. Ma- <laughs> The re- I mean, the reason Clearwater uses Osiris first is so she wants to get people who aren't all in out of her program. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is, this is, this is the, you know, first day of weeding out of, uh, of people who aren't, aren't like, all right. Here we Baptism
1: go. Baptism by fire, um, I guess, if you will.
3: Yeah. And again, to keep in mind also that these are, you know, military people. They're in shape. They don't have a, you know, I mean, my Osiris, I, I, my back would be just completely wrapped up. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough so yeah yeah i'd have to be the right monster okay okay coco
1: jim
2: um i think i'd have to i'd have to be in the right headspace for osiris
1: yeah he sounds like a lot
2: yeah sounds <laughs> like sounds like a real rough one um so i feel like i'd have to like mentally prepare myself a real rowdy for, boy if you will. That.
0: yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i guess it's the same yeah i'd have to mentally prepare myself yeah i you know i i've talked a lot before about how I i don't really sub but I'll try anything once. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. As about long as you. it's preparation,
1: I'd be fine.
2: <laughs> well, Joyce.
1: Oh, I said uh, I. This one, no. The the yeah. other creature the other that one, yeah, Nobilis yeah. described. Gotcha. Sure, yes, that would be much more. Yeah, the other creature
2: sells
4: kind of nice.
1: Pretty good. Because <laughs> yeah. I also am not in shape, and I don't like a lot of like overstimulating. Like I don't. I'm not like a. uh extreme person you know like i like things a little bit more chill um that's my tone that's my vibe but yeah so no no to osiris uh he doesn't sound very polite
3: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. you you may want to put you may want to put like put the beginning that there's a content warning for this for kind of gray consent Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. i was gonna i'm just gonna say like yeah there's some like consensual non-consent kind yeah. of play here a little teetering on yeah. there and then well that might have been it <laughs>
3: well, well, well
4: there's, that,
0: we'll whole, there's it.
3: that whole trope of this this desire that you don't allow yourself to admit that you want mm-hmm.
4: yeah yeah yeah, and yeah yeah
3: the monster gives kind of says kind of Reaches and grabs it and says, "Oh no, you want this? Here we are."
4: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And
3: in fact, it's a trope of the series that the monsters can sense those things. Yeah. And if someone isn't into it, they're they're not interested in the person.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. I like it. Yeah. 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 All right. It didn't show
3: up in this scene, but it's mm-hmm. but it's it's one of the kind of standard tropes of the series. Cool. cool.
1: All right. Shall we close this thing? First of all. Um, to the surprise of no one nobilis this has been a delight and a pleasure it was so wonderful getting to know you and having you on the show it was great
3: i have been had a great time
1: i am i'm glad like we this this was fun this is a good old time yes um great yeah. time yeah and thanks for everyone for listening uh this has been a really special one we really had a good old time we hope you did too uh you can find us on all the socials we're not super great at it but we try our best <laughs> um on instagram we are love at first sighting uh on twitter rest in peace twitter we're laughs pod um we are also on red is love at first sighting we have a youtube channel we have a tumblr laughspod. oh we do have a tumblr i keep forgetting about yeah. that one yes we have a lot of socials um yeah yeah i need, I need some maybe, more <laughs> i don't know yep. oh god um we also have a website laughspod.com. That's l-a-f-s-p-o-d.com. Uh, The two most important things is our Patreon. We do this um, out of the love of the game, but sometimes a little extra support in the ways of money is great. If you can, times are hard, uh, but yeah, be like Nobilis read, wink and uh, hardcore kindness. Um, Be like those fine folks, you know, like there, we have various tiers and uh, most of them have content. Uh, so check that out. We really love it. But you know, word of mouth support reviews. Those are also really rad and gets our name out there. We love you. Um, the other really important thing on the website is our CryptoCupid submission form. If you are an author, whether you are a seasoned veteran like Nobilis or you're a budding author, we want to hear your stuff. Please send it our way. If you find some stuff online, make sure we can uh, contact the OP. But send that to us too. We love it. We love all that stuff. Um, contact us. Talk to us. Interact with us on all these things.
3: My podcast is Nobilis Erotica. It's at Uh I am on Twitter as at Nobilis. I am on Mastodon as at Nobilis at Smutlandia.com.
1: com. love so, it. Yeah. Yeah, go go follow Nobilis. Um, like his stuff's great. His podcast is wonderful. You will chuckle at the idea of consenticles. Uh, still makes me laugh every time I think about it. I love a good poor manto. But yeah, watch Shadows, sweeties.
2: Stay horny, babes.
1: Hey, go fuck some consenticles. <laughs>